This is an ABC podcast. We've got a labour shortage, so it's difficult to find new hires. You're still juggling people working from home or who are sick from COVID as well. You know, there's a high sick rate. You've got people who are exhausted, and so we're finding that there's more people just taking days for recovery off. And so all those things are really challenging for businesses post-COVID. Crawl up into a ball in the room and, you know, wonder how I'm going to handle this. I've noticed myself being tired of this there's still no end in sight. The feeling is one of um, perhaps of not quite being in control, not quite being as confident as we once were and perhaps feeling a bit unsure about our role in the workplace and, and who we are and trying to get our heads around, around that as well. We've been living through the greatest workplace disruption in generations. Now, after two years of COVID dominating our work and home lives here in Australia, that volatility isn't going anywhere and business managers are struggling. Energy's low, resilience is low, and staff numbers are fluctuating as people get COVID. Combine, mix and stir, and you've got what I'm calling the COVID shitstorm. Hello, I'm Lisa Leong, and today on This Working Life, we're diving inside the manager's world to hear what's happening for them. And we're also going to get some tips on how to get through this tough period. First, let's hear from Natalie Fayen. She's the Chief Commercial and Customer Officer for Estimate One, and she manages 40 people across the business. The feeling now, I think, is the anticipation of rapidly moving forward and trying to put COVID behind us. And so all during COVID, I think there was a certain sort of a certain tolerance and patience about the fact that we were dealing with a pandemic. And now that we've come out of that, I think we're in a world, and especially in Australia, there's so much opportunity and it feels like there's so much missed time that now everybody just wants to capitalise on this opportunity and move forward at pace. And so I think the difference is now is that there's sort of nothing holding you back, supposedly. Um, There's nothing holding us back. We can move forward, put the pandemic behind us, but then there's a whole lot of new kind of business issues and challenges that we're faced with. So the types of issues now that businesses are dealing with, I mean, one huge one is a labour shortage. That has a huge impact on Australian businesses and for all team members and managers especially. One of the things that I've really noticed is you know, we've got a lot of open roles and I think a lot of businesses do. We've got a lot of open roles. It's really hard to recruit people. And then you match that with this opportunity-rich moment in time where people are wanting to move forward and recover from COVID. And so what we start to find and what I certainly find is we're asking more and more of our management team because indirectly you're asking them to pick up additional jobs or additional projects. And that's one of the things that I think we need to be really mindful of is how much we're asking of people and how much we want them to do. The thing as a business that we're facing at the moment is not only the ongoing impact of COVID in terms of people are still away because they're in isolation or the children are back at school, but the other thing is, is if you've got people who have been working for two years without any real break or holiday, and so we've got a labour shortage, so it's difficult to find new hires, you're still juggling people working from home or who are sick from COVID as well. You know, there's a high sick rate. You've got people who are exhausted. And so we're finding that there's more people just taking days for recovery off. And then in addition to that, you've also got employees who rightly so want to take annual leave and may want to do that for, you know, an extended period of time because they really need a break. And so all those things are really challenging for businesses post-COVID. 
We've all been on an emotional roller coaster since the start of the pandemic, and now in 2022, it's evolved again. To help us make sense of what we're feeling and why at this point in our work lives is Professor Kim Felmingham from the University of Melbourne. I'm the Chair of Clinical Psychology and a Professor in the School of Psychological Sciences at the University of Melbourne. Kim, when I last spoke to you, it was at the start of the pandemic and you absolutely nailed it when you said that the collective feeling we were experiencing at that time was grief. Now, two years on, the pandemic is still wreaking havoc with the new variants seemingly every other week and then we've got floods and we've got war. So what has that feeling shifted to? Look, I think, you know, there is still a lot of grief, but I think we've also got incredible exhaustion and fatigue, just I think the relentlessness of what has happened. I think people are trying to resume work. There's a lot of anxiety about that. They've got their kids re-engaging, going back to school. Whilst there was exhaustion of looking after homeschooling and working from home or homeschooling even worse and having to go out and still be working in hospitals and be a frontline worker, I think now we've got the anxiety of the kids and the uncertainty, are we going to get COVID or not with the amount of COVID that's here? And I think that's compounding the uh, strain we're already under psychologically. So I think what's happening is actually just a real fatigue effect and an exhaustion and people are really feeling quite at the end of their tether. Do you have any labels for what we're feeling? Uh, look, I actually, you know, if I think about it, I actually think it's 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 almost like burnout. You know, how we use burnout if we think about uh, people who are working in hospitals, like doctors pulling 20-hour shifts for, you know, 18 months relentlessly. I actually think it's quite similar to that burnout. And, you know, there's complex emotions that are attached there. There's anxiety, there's grief, uh, there's trauma. Um, many people who've lost someone or have witnessed trauma is also part of it. But a lot of anxiety, that generalised anxiety, that's coming with uncertainty. We can't plan things, what's happening into the future. A lot of kids are having mental health issues now. And as parents, that's also very stressful for us. So I think there's a compounding effect here of a lot of different emotional reactions that's really leading to generalised fatigue. What would you say this prolonged period of stress and anxiety is doing to our brains, Kim? You know, I think it certainly will be having an effect. Hopefully that's a reversible effect because once we find people can remove and reduce those stressors and do more self-care activities, it can reverse these impacts. But clearly what we know about chronic stress in the brain, it will cause your sort of limbic and threat detection systems into overdrive. It also leads to impaired concentration, difficulties with memory, difficulties with cognitive flexibility, being able to multitask or shift between tasks. So I think that's actually really important. People need to approach themselves with compassion. Work managers need to be compassionate towards their staff about what loads they're still carrying. And whilst the whole pandemic's not new now, but it's still with us very palpably. So I think that's something that, you know, whilst it's not new, it's still something everyone's dealing with on a daily basis. So I think, you know, what we can see from that is that we're going to have these 
an overdrive of our stress systems. We may be more irritable, overreactive to small things that normally we'd cope okay with, we may be more reactive to. And I think then also just less mental reserve, cognitive reserve and emotional reserve for managing things. Oh, I was ticking all that when you were talking. <laughs> I was ticking the list there. So was I. <laughs> You know, so we're hearing about managers caring for other people, but I'm thinking a lot about who's caring for the managers. Yes, yeah, absolutely. What are you seeing then in terms of manager burnout? Yeah, look, I think that's absolutely right. We're seeing this quite a lot. You know, what's the good news story of this is people are increasingly aware of the psychological impacts of the pandemic. They're far more aware of the impacts of these chronic stressors and the uncertainty, financial straits that people are in, the relationship difficulties that people are having, family violence issues, all of these things, uh, children's mental health. But at the same time, so there's been a lot of more assessment and attention on that for workers. But where I really still think we're lacking is actually caring for the managers and actually having programs and even assessing how people at those levels who've got the responsibility are coping, you know, because ultimately they're human beings as well. They've got the same resources, the same brains, the same neurobiological and stress systems, and they're also living with the same issues. So it's really vital, I think, that we're doing a holistic program, which actually is not just looking at the mental health of staff, but managers also implementing those same uh, sort of strategies into their managerial levels. And when you're talking about the little signs like being that little bit more irritable, a little bit less resilient, I mean, it's very subtle. So what are the things that we can really look out for in ourselves and others as signs of burnout? Yeah, look, I think when something that normally wouldn't even phase you starts to impact, and it may be that you get more teary, it may be that you give up more readily on things or you get frustrated or irritable and snappiness is really quite common, and then feeling guilt about that irritability, um, it may be just having less spontaneity and joy in your life, you know, um, just feeling ground down really feeling uh, fatigued, so you're not feeling refreshed waking up. There may be a lower motivation to engage in exercise or to engage in things just for the sake of doing them, you know. Having, trying to carve out that downtime, I think, is what really can suffer. And that downtime is so restorative for people. Just doing nothing, uh, you know, playing with your kid in the mud, doing those kinds of things, I think we're losing the space for that capacity. So keeping an eye out for loss of enjoyment or interest or motivation, irritability, being more stressed out with partners and snappy, uh, feeling like, you know, just everything's sort of piling up and not feeling as effective, which often will translate to having doubts about your own capacity. But it may actually, your capacity hasn't changed. It's the context you're working within. And then how do you lead an exhausted team? Yeah, look, this is really tough. I think with a great deal of compassion and I know, you know, I think what's hard for a manager, you've got budgets, you've got finite amounts of staff and you've still got the work tasks that need to be done. 
So it makes it a very constrained system, which always builds more stress. So I think we have to acknowledge up front just how hard this is. I think having an open door, really proactively building in mental health strategies uh, and allowing people to express they can't do something and ideally being really transparent about how you're trying to roster things, how you're trying to plan things, at least so everyone's involved as a team. Uh, you know, trying to have contingency planning as best you can if someone's off with COVID, but how difficult that's proving to be, I think, um, with the prevalence that we still have. But I think transparency is actually really important because one of the most stressful aspects for managers is actually dealing with staff discontent and discomfort and disengagement. Um, and I think being transparent actually makes people feel more embedded. They've got a voice. They're part of that team. So rather than it becoming the manager's problem to, sh to fix, it becomes this is our context. This is the workplace environment that's really challenging we're working in. And what can we do as a team together to try and help it be easier for all of us? A collaborative approach, I think. And do you think that maybe it's time to embrace the good enough standard? Absolutely, absolutely. I've been saying that to all my staff and all my students I supervise for the last two years. You know what? If you can do 50% at the moment, that's good enough. Absolutely. The world is not going to fall apart, you know? And so it's actually really realistically looking at yourself uh, you know, we constantly are in this overdrive where there's this constant, once we achieve something, we've got to go for that next goal, that yeah. next goal. I think that's capitalism, you know, and you know what, it's madness. And I think if we actually look at what actually is necessary versus uh, getting out of that mindset of we've just got to build to the next goal, the next goal, the next achievement right now, why don't we step away from that and actually recognise the importance of having a healthy, productive staff who are doing the core things we need to get done. My name is Adam Chalk and I look after Buddha Bowl Cafe in Newtown, Sydney. It's been such a long road. Every now and then we think we've got through it and, you know, it's another wave of dealing with, you know, whatever's happening at the moment. It could be COVID, could be changes in rules, it could be staff availability or turnover and whatnot. Right now, it's yet another sort of wave of COVID infections within the team. Sort of had half of the team off earlier in the year. They all sort of got it at the same time. And then we just scraped through, you know, each day thinking, am I gonna have to close the door tomorrow? Do I have anyone that can make a coffee or, and that was really scary and tiring. And then we scraped through and then, you know, it was kind of just a week or two and they were back on track. And I thought, okay, I'm done. I've done the hard stuff. And then suddenly another three staff got it about two, three weeks ago. And same thing again. But at the same time, there was an increase in business, like people going back out again. And so earlier on, it was still pretty low, the customer base. But this time around, it's really hard to keep up with the demand of people wanting to go out again because all the restrictions are lifted and just not having the team. It's definitely been up and down. It was really hard two years ago, back when it first happened. That was crawl up into a ball in the room and, you know, wonder how we're gonna handle this to experience and realizing, okay, we're gonna be okay, but still not knowing when it's gonna end. Fast forward to two plus years later, 
I could say, and I'm quite a positive person. I'm pretty proud of the way I've handled it. But I reckon in the last couple of weeks, I've noticed myself being tired of this. There's still no end in sight. My name is Leah Pukwalam. I work for MYOB as Head of Corporate Affairs um, and I manage five people altogether, two in New Zealand and three in Australia. The feeling I'm picking up right now is that we've got uh, a workforce in particular who is pretty tired after a really fatiguing, you know, 18 or so months, um, lots of whom have had to deal with really challenging conditions while trying to continue to work. And as we're trying to come back together as a workforce, we're sort of feeling a bit of a, a hangover of that exhaustion and we're being um, required to sort of relearn perhaps some of the skills that, that we let drift to the wayside while we're in that sort of really controlled environment. And I think a lot of people are really struggling with that. And the, the feeling is one of um, perhaps of not, not quite being in control, not quite being as confident as we once were and perhaps feeling a bit unsure about our role in the workplace and, and, and who we are and trying to get our heads around, around that as well. The thing I am seeing though is that sort of the green shoots of energy and excitement of being able to do some of the things that, that we previously weren't able to do. So connecting with colleagues over a meal after work one night because you're in town and you can you can have a drink and talk about things. And, and they are really invigorating and they fill you up and they give you a real sense of positivity and, and excitement, I think, about the roles that we're doing. So I think that's been really positive as well. Okay. So if you're a manager, what do you need to focus on to get you and your people through the shift storm? Natalie Fayan again. One of the things that I think is really important for managers, executives and even team members is really now about prioritisation because there's so much to do. <laughs> again, there's so much opportunity, but if you don't have the right resources and you're being asked to do a lot, it can create a huge amount of stress for people and a huge amount of burnout. And so aligning on expectations and really aligning with management on prioritisations is really critical. And that's one of the tips that I give to my team members as well, as I always say to them, if I'm asking you to do something additional, because perhaps it's an additional project or something we want you to focus on, always feel free to say to me, that means that I'm going to stop doing this or the cost of this is X. Uh, because certainly, I don't think any manager wants to see their employees burn out uh, or go through, you know, any sort of anxiety coming back to work. It is an exciting time, so we just want to set them up for success. Karen Gately is a leadership and people management specialist and founder of Corporate Dojo, and she says managers need to remember to put on their own oxygen mask first. Yeah, it starts with accepting reality. When we rail against our reality, that creates a lot of frustration and once we're able to accept that, which is far easier said than done, but once we're able to do that, then it's about, you know, focusing on what we can actually control. And part of the things that we can control is how we look after ourselves. So it can be really tempting when things are challenging just to work longer, work harder, keep striving. Um, but balance, I think, is a, a critical priority right now for all of us, making sure that we're getting sleep, making sure that we are looking after our diet, making sure that we've got the downtime, the, the recharge time, you know, it gives us at least some chance 
of, of getting through difficult periods? I think, you know, it is starting with having realistic realistic expectations of yourself and your team. You know, again, there is only so much we can do. So if you are in a business that, for example, has resourcing constraints, then you need to be you know, challenging. What are our goals? What are we able to deliver? What is, um, you know, pragmatic or practical in terms of where we can invest the resources that we do have so I think again that can be incredibly challenging to let go of some things I'm working with some clients who you know set their business plan they set their goals and they're just trying to drive through regardless um, you know I think sometimes being disciplined and focused is about deciding what you're not going to do as much as what you are going to do so that you have that have that bandwidth and you know, I think part of being realistic is to partner with your team, you know, have conversations with the people in your business around, you know, what should we be focused on? And if there are particular challenges that we're facing, you know, let's not underestimate our team's ability to, to help us think through those issues and to come up with creative solutions. You know, if we leverage the thinking of everyone in our, our business, we're more likely to come up with ways of, of coping and getting through. What do you think of the term professional and how it might have changed through this? Because it's being bandied about as, um, you know, it's unprofessional to show that you're not coping as a manager and that this is really hard and that it is having an impact on you. What's what's your reflection on that? I think what probably the biggest shift that's happened is in years gone by, professional required a facade, you know, you had to role play a certain way of being, you had to dress a certain way, be a certain way in order to be perceived um, as in line, if you like, with those management expectations. But I think what has become far more relevant is authenticity. I think people are entirely more likely to respect a leader who, for example, acknowledges that they don't know everything or respect a leader who acknowledges that, yep, I'm feeling the pressure too, gang. You know, it's, it's, it is tough right now. But I think, yeah, you're entirely more likely to inspire and engage and get the best from people if you are real, you know, if they feel like they know who you really are and people can see through the facade. Thanks to Karen Gately, founder of Corporate Dojo and Professor Kim Felmingham from the University of Melbourne. Being flexible, actually being transparent and having self-compassion, compassion for your workers them understanding there's flexibilities within expectations and they're working as a team, I think are all really fundamentally important. And thanks to you, awesome managers who shared your stories and observations with us. And everyone I know in the industry, like other cafe owners or restaurant owners, are going through the same thing. We have the same stories. It's hard. You've been listening to This Working Life with me, Lisa Leong. Thanks to producers Zoe Ferguson and Maria Tickle. And next time on This Working Life, we'll be bringing you a special two-parter on cultural diversity and inclusion in the workplace and why we're not seeing Australia's multiculturalism reflected in leadership positions. Are we seeing here some biases at play or some barriers that may exist for those from minority cultural and ethnic backgrounds that don't exist uh, for, 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 for others? Uh, is there a cultural default here to how we think of uh, and, and practice leadership within Australian institutions? Do we have a particularly Anglo-Celtic way of doing leadership when it comes to politics, 
business or civil society. Uh, when you look at the evidence, when you look at the numbers, these are the questions uh, that get raised. And I think they're important questions to ask because uh, if we're holding a mirror up to ourselves, we're simply not seeing who we are in our positions of leadership in major institutions. We call it the bamboo ceiling. That was a clear indication that the ceiling exists. And it's also spurred me on to take on this current role in trying to break down this ceiling for current and future Asian Australian generations. I love the idea and also the movement towards the word belonging and away from diversity and inclusion. The word belonging connects us with us as human species a lot closer than diversity and inclusion. Make sure you follow us on your favourite podcast app so you don't miss new episodes. Until then, love your work. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.